You know how most copywriters jump into copywriting as a side hustle while working their full-time job, and they can't wait to build up the business enough to ditch their nine to five and focus 100% on their copywriting business. Well, today's guest for the 317th episode of the Copywriter Club podcast isn't the type of copywriter to follow the traditional path. That's right. Tori Autumn, an email strategist and copywriter, has gone from zero to achieving the coveted 20K month by shedding toxic clients, seasonal networking, launching new products, specifically templates, and balancing a full-time job with a growing copywriting business. And the best part, she's done it all over the last year. Here's Tori's story and all the lessons learned along the way. You don't want to miss this episode. But before we get into our interview, let me introduce my very, very special co-host this week. It's me! So (laughs) you are stuck with me, just me this week. I decided to hijack the show and give Rob the boot. So here we are. Feels a little strange without a co-host, but we'll make do. So first up, today's episode is sponsored by the Copywriter Think Tank Mastermind. So why should you join this mastermind this month? I mean, you could join any mastermind and you could join any month. So why this one right now? Well, we have a team of coaches in this mastermind. So Not only do you have access to Rob and me to provide feedback, strategic direction, private coaching as you move through your business and achieve your goals, but you also have access to a team of coaches. So you have access to a mindset coach, a systems and growth coach, and our newest coach that you have access to when you join the Think Tank is a visibility coach. Those are three core areas that we know copywriters struggle with the most. So we wanted to bring in coaches who have specialized in those areas to help the copywriters in our mastermind. So again, you don't just have access to Rob, to me, although you'll get more of us than you probably even want in your business, but you also have access to these incredible coaches that are going to help you uh, scale your business learn how to work with a team if you want to build a team, how to build your systems and processes, how to focus on your visibility, which we know can feel very uncomfortable, but how to actually show up in a big way. And of course, you know how to do it all and shift your mindset, which is the trickiest part. So that's a good reason to join this mastermind. And why right now? Well, we are adding a couple new members this month, um, you know, before the holiday craziness, and we're inviting our newest members to join our Think Tank Mastermind this January in New Orleans for our in-person retreat. And we're so excited that we can finally get back to in-person retreats and over a couple of days in January. So if you know that you're ready to be in an intimate room of brilliant writers, then this might be the right time to apply, jump on a call with us, learn a little bit more about the Think Tank and see if it's a good fit for you. You can find more information in our show notes. 
All right, that's enough from me. Let's jump into the interview with Tori. So last year, I, well, I'll back up to when I started my business in 2019. So I went to school for life coaching after working in PR, losing my job. I read that book, um, You're a Badass. And I said, maybe I should do life coaching. So I went to school for that and then niched into self-love coaching. And then over the pandemic, I found it really, really hard to get my group coaching program running for my self-love coaching business. But I've gotten so many compliments on my emails, um, like the newsletters and the promo emails, and people were asking me to write them for them. So um, I eventually just started doing that. And I said, wait, I can actually make money from doing this. I don't have to do this as a as a gift or as a, a hobby. So I started deep diving into copywriting last year and I reached out into my network of copywriters that I that I've known that I've been in different email programs with and things like that and from there I niched down to email and website copy so let's dive before you got into copywriting let's dive into some of the stuff that you were doing before that because you've got some pretty deep experience in PR and marketing and that kind of stuff too talk a little bit about that yeah, so um, before I did that, I actually went to school for broadcast journalism. So I worked in the news industry um, for almost five years, and then I transitioned into PR. So in the news industry, I was uh, doing pr- production work for C-SPAN. And so that was cool, but I also felt like I was bored and I wanted more, and I just didn't really want to be in a political environment. So I did started doing public relations um, and that didn't go well, (laughs) but I learned a lot of skills. I learned how to effectively be a PR strategist, but I, the actual job was really toxic. So um, lost my job, Um, got fired. And then I realized like, you know what? I never want to be in a situation where that happens again. So that's what kind of kicked off my entrepreneurial journey and um, now I do copywriting full time along with a full time position I have advocating for people who have intellectual and developmental disabilities. And I really enjoy that. OK, because because you mentioned it, you got fired from your job. How how do you rebound after that? Because I imagine like that can be even if it's a toxic situation, well, especially if it's a toxic, toxic situation it can really, you know, be like a blow to your ego. And so what did you do to feel better and move forward after that situation? Yeah, even though I, it was a very challenging job to have, I did feel a lot of grief. I felt, I felt more so annoyed that I was so excited about the pay with that job and the skills that I was learning, like all the things that came with it. And I was just there for quite a really short time and um, just felt really rejected. But also, I knew that that wasn't really what I wanted to be doing 10, 20 years from now. Um, Aside from the skills I learned, I know that that wasn't like it was so fast paced and so disorganized that it was just like no way that I could keep up with that. So I really just started diving into reading books after that. I was unemployed and. I said, well, 
other than apply for jobs, which took quite a while to find another position um, that I ended up just staying very shortly. I, I had a stint in IT for a little bit. I've done quite a few, quite a few things and now feel like, yes, this is where I want to stay. But I started just reading a lot of books and also it helped when other people told told me about their stories about getting laid off or getting fired. It it also it made me feel like rejection is redirection, rejection is protection, like all those all those things I felt that way because sooner or later that PR agency is no longer here. It dissolved. It like so I it didn't make me feel like, whoa, I'm a terrible employee. I it I got out of taking it super personal and, and saw that that was just not a place I was meant to be for a long term. So before we get into what you do as a copywriter, I'm also interested in what you do to advocate for you know, the mentally challenged. Uh, my my own brother was mentally challenged before he passed away. And I'm just curious what you do there and just the impact that you're having on those people. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, I help with the criminal justice division of um, this nonprofit that I work with. And so if there are... There are many cases that we get where um, people in the police workforce not don't necessarily know the the signs or symptoms of someone who has intellectual or developmental disabilities, and sometimes we often people with IDD they may agree to a crime that they didn't even do because they're afraid, or they may they may get pulled over by police and flee the scene because they have sensory overload with all the different lights and someone yelling and, you know, so there's so many things. And so I handled the cases with providing parents of people with IDD, siblings, relatives, caregivers. I provide resources to them for their specific state to get um, an attorney who specializes in advocating for people with IDD. So that's one facet. Another one is also giving them trainings that they may not receive in school. Um, so this this could be um, how to how to ride, you know, how to go through the airport if they are autistic and it's so sensory overload in there. This can be um, providing the resources for sexual education classes because we get quite a few cases of people involved with child pornography. And part of the direction of that is they, they just really don't have any idea with sexual education sometimes, you know. So there's so many different resources that I provide. And also I do trainings. I go to conferences to speak out on the criminal justice thing. How can we do better with preventing them from um, committing any crimes, but also being falsely accused of crimes they did not commit? So I imagine someone listening is might wonder, OK, well, how that sounds amazing. How are you juggling that and a copywriting business? Like how how do you fit the two together so that it works for you? Yeah, it's a great question. So I specifically, what I really love about this job is the flexibility to work it and not necessarily like just, oh, I can work anytime and it's remote, but I don't really feel like this is a job where I have to work hard at. And um, that's something that I had to define for myself because a lot of people, and I'm not bashing either way, but a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners talk about they can't wait to get to a place where they reach six figures in their job or where they reach that magic number and then they quit their full-time or they replace their full-time income. And a lot of the reasons is because 
it, it they they feel overwhelmed. They feel like it's you know um, just a, another set of a bunch of meetings that they have on top of their business and all those different things. But for me, I specifically went after a position where I can have ease financially and that is not that doesn't require me to like fully working all the time. Like I I work there, but I don't feel like I'm working there all the time. I feel that it's very supportive. I like the team. I actually really love the team. I really love the organization itself. And so at first it was a little scary trying to manage both because at the time that I started this position, I didn't I didn't really have a lot of clients in my copywriting business. So it wasn't too overwhelming. And then at the same time when things started speeding up, that's when my business started picking up. So I did in all transparency have have had stressful moments but i've also been able to say okay in the morning i'm going to work um for my nine to five and then in the afternoon slash evenings i work on my business and then some weeks i don't really even have to do too much if i work ahead for my nine to five um so it it actually i wouldn't say balance itself out but i would say it works itself out because i found a pattern that works even after trying different variations of balance, I just said, let me just figure out what works this week instead of finding like, okay, for the rest of my life, I'm going to work nine to one <laughs> and then one to five of my job. I just, each week is different, but I also, it just feels like I stopped looking at it as they're, they're so separate. I started looking at it as I'm just managing different projects. That makes sense. So Let's talk a little bit about what your business, your copywriting business looks like today. What kinds of clients you serve, the work that you do. What does that look like? Yeah, so I work with wellness coaches and course creators on email strategy, launch strategy, website copy. And currently, I also work with a small business resource center in Washington, D.C. And so most of my projects are. Website copy, um, launch emails, nurture emails, and also social media caption writing. So when you shared your story, it sounds like you mentioned you you just jumped into copywriting in 2021. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So we've been able to, lucky enough to work with you in the think tank, and we've been able to see your progress um, over the last year. I'm just curious, like, how did you grow and achieve your goals so quickly because your business has changed rapidly. And again, like you're, and you're juggling a full-time job, which you've made work for, for your business, not against your business. It's working for you. Um, but I'm just curious, like what else have you been doing since you decided I want to go all in on copywriting? Yeah. So last year, so about a year ago, I joined the accelerator program and at the time I was not make I was not charging um enough to really run a business. It did feel like I was just taking orders and just taking things because I felt like I needed years of experience for copywriting and I needed lots of different certifications. And so when I realized that I just really needed to write <laughs> and get feedback and also um yeah, step study copywriting. I still study copyright. I love it. I don't think I ever stop, even if I reached the point that I, you know, want to get to. But I I realized that it was just more about keep taking action moving forward. And it really helps so much to be in a network full of other copywriters. Like 
I still meet with the group of people in my accelerator group and people who were not in that group, but who were in that cohort. I still meet with them um, up until this day. I'm actually going to New York to meet with um, someone who was an accelerator who I've never seen in person. Yeah, Kristen, I'm going to see her in two weeks. So, um, yeah. So like, I, I really lean on those different network slash friendships that I have with them. It helps because we end up not really talking about copywriting, but we talk about business stuff and we talk about how are we handling burnout? How are we handling all the different topics that come with these things? But it seems like once we get a place to talk about them, it helps our business so much. So I've, I've had a desire to join Think Tank since last summer, but I kept feeling like I wasn't ready. And which is so funny because when I joined Think Tank in June, I really wasn't ready. <laughs> like I really, like it had to be the worst financial month I've ever had, but I knew that I'm the type of person where under pressure, and I think this is different for everyone, but under pressure, I know that I can achieve something. So if if it was, it, it felt like an investment and it was happening at a time where I was uh, throwing my mom a 70th birthday party and, oh, I just got this new full-time job. Oh, it was like so many different things. But I said, well, now that I'm going to create scary goals, I have to, I have to achieve them because I, not only do I want to get um financially stable but I also really I there's never going to be a right time to do to do these goals it's never life is just not going to slow down right now so I heavily leaned into I asked all the people in Think Tank what has really helped you grow your business they all mentioned talking to one another just like Accelerator but on a different level of of um resources and commitment and goals and um yeah it's just different, different types of support that is available in a think tank. And I took I took uh, the time to to really go into each type of resource that was available. I really studied my goals. Um, I really looked at my bills and everything that I had, which was super annoying. I don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> but I know I really had to look at what I was charging. And the biggest takeaway wasn't even when I finally reached um, $10,000. Because when I said it to Kira that, that I want to have 10K months, she said, okay. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, I, I didn't really, I wasn't expecting that, you know, like it would be so easy. When I actually made 20000 I it didn't even feel like that was the, the biggest goal of my life, even though it was. It was actually letting go of toxic clients, which were questions that I asked other think tankers, how did they achieve that? How did they let go of these clients? It was actually that the human questions and connections that I built that have gave given me so much confidence to then create digital products and then speak more and do I do a lot of private trainings now but it was just really those those questions that I asked have really helped me shape my business but also just feel like I grow at a pace that I can keep up with so that's uh, amazing. The goals that you've set and reached and exceeded even. Um, and I, I wasn't even thinking that we were going to be talking about the think tank, uh, at least at this point, but talk a little bit about your approach. I mean, you kind of walked through some of the things that you've accomplished, but as you've thought about, um, you know, the goals that you set and then how your, your business has evolved, how those goals have changed and what you're looking to accomplish in the future. 
Yeah. So what I'm looking to accomplish for 2023 and just beyond that is really figuring out how can I um, be as accessible as possible without burning out myself, without um, working with too many clients. And so I'm launching my copywriting templates, which are also with my PR skills and also um, with different types of video trainings and inclusive guides to show people which type of language they can swap out. And so that's one of the big things that I want to make a, a large part of my revenue. And then the other is just continue to work with clients on retainer. And um, yeah, that and also another big part of my business that I really want to dive into is to speaking and talking about visibility, talking about accessibility, marketing, selling, all those types of things. I wonder what type of mindset shifts you've had to go through and what's helped you shift your mindset, you know, to go from, you know, June, July, when things are rough to where you are today, you know, in a, such a short period of time, what have you had to do along the way to just help yourself see that, oh, I can achieve a 20K month. And actually I can set even larger goals and think bigger. Uh, that's quite a big shift in a short period of time. So what's helped you? It helped when I didn't make all the goals money related. And I am such a, like, I think it's, it's a great thing to have money related goals. So I'm not trying to turn anybody off from that. But I think when I started thinking about how I didn't want toxic clients and then when I actually let go of them as, as rough as that was, I started thinking about how can I really expand my business? And it didn't feel so heavy anymore. It didn't feel like emotionally like, oh, I don't know if I can do that because I'm I'm stuck with this person for six months because I told them I, I would be with them, you know, and, and give all these de deliverables. I think it helped with that and also. June and July, not not only were like uh, rough financial months, but I've been going through a lot of personal stuff. My my dog is blind and I'm a caregiver at home and all of these things. And I just got tired of being like super frustrated with so many stressors. And so I think ways of alleviating stress were my biggest motivator for reaching my goals. Um, and also I would say that it it helped to to be around people who welcomed those goals and didn't get silent or say twenty thousand. That sounds like a lot. It, it helped with people who were like, yeah, you can totally make ten thousand dollars a month, or you can totally um, have clients that are truly in alignment with where you want to be. So I think that really helped and committing to things, blocking off time in my calendar because one thing that I had done where had it done in the effort to grow my business but it stopped my business at the same time were too many connection calls on zoom I had to stop that stuff like I had to literally sit down with care and just screenshot <laughs> my entire calendar to stop that <laughs> okay so I would love to hear a little bit more about the work that you're doing um going back to you were talking about how you're today an email strategist launch strategist uh, I think a lot of people who you know come into copywriting think oh i'll just you know i'll write emails or you know i'll write stuff but there's a difference between 
just simply copywriting something, taking direction and actually doing the strategy. Will you talk a little bit about the strategy that you do and how that impacts the writing, the relationship with the client and all of that? Yeah, actually, that is one part I left out. I, I start looking at myself as just a copywriter, but I really start looking at what were the different ways that I've helped the clients that other than writing. And so when I lean into strategy a lot more, it actually made it easier to charge more. And so one of the things that I do, so for example, I have a client on retainer where I help write her nurture emails. I write all her newsletter emails weekly. I've been doing it for about four or five months now. And now she's launching um, her book. It became a lot easier to help her with the strategy, to help her with creating an actual promo calendar and different types of bonuses that she can add in, that she can make it content, make content specifically for Black Friday. There are just so many ideas that she welcomed because she had seen my writing and also seen me provide different strategies on how she can increase her open rates. So I I felt like at first I was just looking at myself as a writer, um, a marketer, where I just write copy and then pass it off. But when I realized this is an opportunity to have a, a, a client or retainer for long term, I looked at different ways that could benefit her business, help her make more money, and also help me step into a place of being an expert more, being being a subject matter expert in copywriting and also helping her feel more connected with, with her audience. Because a lot of it is strategy, but a lot of it is finding ways where we're really studying how her audience is responding to her and, and what they need. And, it also helps that I do social media caption writing. I don't do it for all clients, <laughs> but I do it for some of them. And it ha- it helps when I actually see in real time what people are talking about. It, help- it helps with the research. It helps with all the different aspects of copywriting and content writing and strategy. Can you give another example or maybe even two specific examples of what advice you've given to a client recently? Maybe it's that client related to email strategy. Just just because examples are helpful. Yeah, so an, another example is seeing how a launch is going and clearing out some time on my schedule to just be available in case we want to add another email in. Or especially, like, for example, one client had, we we written a launch email, promo email sequence. And at the same time, they had recently done a talk where they had a lead magnet and then they got in a lot more subscribers. And in that point, I didn't want to throw them into launch, of course, because they're just now uh, establishing a connection with that client. But I created a welcome sequence that can kind of gear them into this launch since the launch was semi-evergreen product. So I found ways to adjust my schedule in a way that would help make more sales. But it also helps when I am in a space where I know the client really well, and also I can, I know I can knock out emails really fast. So even though I like to do website and I like to do social media caption, I know that emails is like, if if one, if I could do one out of the three, that one, not only do I enjoy doing them and I see the most like ROI with them, but I also can do them quite quickly. So I think it helps to have a strategy where you can do something efficient 
and do them pretty pretty well and also have a, a quick um process for how you do it and i that was another thing that i that i'm starting to lean on more is having processes which i did not have and so everything took forever but now actually getting into a flow of that um it, it does not take me that long to write five or six emails it can i can knock them out in a day versus it used to take like two weeks <laughs> so it's interesting you, you mentioned that because that was going to be my next question is just to ask you about your process of getting the work done are you following sort of a, a template flow as you go through so that you're not reinventing the wheel every time are you you know do you have this idea that email number one does this thing email number two does thing number two and so forth like what does that look like yeah, so for the most part, I, I would say I have a template in the different types of emails that I want to write for nurture sequences and promo sequences. And and for the, the time that I do not want to create something from a template and instead create it from scratch, I use what I lean on with the research that I've done um, and I incorporate that. So, for example, if we did not... if if I have a client who has just done a live and they ask some questions that we didn't even think about, pain points or benefits that that we didn't even think about, I'll write some promo emails or a nurture sequence just off that. And um, it, I, I like to start with story driven stuff now that I'm learning more about uh, how to write story driven emails. Um, thanks to Jen Junko who's in Think Tank. She's taught me a lot. Just in her workshop. <laughs> um, but I, I like to start it with, with that. And one of the ways that I can get a story a lot more efficient from a client is to state, state to them the, the different question that the that their audience member has asked on a live or um on a podcast or whatever, whatever the situation is. And then um, ask them about a story that's related to that. Ask them about the different um, like factors throughout their day that we can incorporate. So even if it's if it's a very short story, we can tie it in somehow with the different parts of their personality, um, the different parts of the challenges or any type of tension that has come up and connect it back to that pain point. And you, I can almost spot a great story when people are really talking about their day or even um, a big like pop culture moment that just happened or even where they are in a business that those things seem to bring out a lot of good stories or interesting stories. You mentioned that you have had to shed some toxic clients in order to get to where you are today. Um, you know, we've had private conversations about it. I think this is something that a lot of copywriters struggle with. Like, you know, maybe they're working with a toxic client now, but they're depending on them for some income and stability. So they stick with them. Um, I guess I'm asking you, like, what worked for you to just finally let them go? What helped you work through that process, which can be difficult? Um, yeah, what were those steps for you? I think that it was a, it was all around confidence. It was around confidence of knowing that I'm stepping out on faith, even if I don't necessarily replace their income right away. I have confidence that I'll find another client. And I'm, when I worked at the PR agency, one thing that I learned that always sticks with me is there is a big 
difference between a choice and a decision. And a choice is like, okay, I'll wear the, those black shoes today instead of those white shoes, or I'll wear those sneakers. Um, Rob, I know you like to wear sneakers. Um, but then a decision, when you, like the Latin root of it, decide means to cut off. Like you don't even have any other choice in mind. You're just like, I'm going to do this. And I had to get to that point because every day for months, I was saying like, I'm I'm going to cut these clients off because I'm stressed out. I'm working way too much. I'm undercharged. Um, like my credit score is dropping. I'm losing my edges. Like, oh my goodness. You know, it just felt like overwhelming. But then when I just made the decision, I'm going to do it Friday when I have my monthly check-in with them. And there's just no way I'm going to stay on a team. When I felt that confidence about that, it made it so, so easier. And then at the same time, when I, every time that I had done it, I had about three this year, every time that I had made that decision within a week, I would gain a new client. It was just the oddest thing, but it wasn't like an intentional thing where I'm like looking for clients, but I think it was just feeling so ready that there was no other choice I was giving myself to, to carry out with just letting them go. And I think also when you when you cut off a talk a, a client that doesn't align with your values, you are helping them in a way as well. Because if you don't really like the relationship that you all have, or you don't like the projects that you all have, or maybe there's something, maybe the the process or system isn't working, you're doing them a favor as well. So I stopped looking at it as like they're gonna hate me if I if I you know cut them off. I started looking at it as well, I don't think that it would be a service to them if they're paying me and I truly don't enjoy this work or I don't do that type of work anymore. I think that they will benefit from me not taking forever to get this copy back to them. And, you know, all the things that I, I was doing that I wasn't showing up as a great copywriter, if I'm being honest. All right, I'm going to take a minute or two to share a couple takeaways from this part of the conversation. So. First up, we talked a lot about balance, and I'm in awe of Tori for not only how she is balancing a full-time position in a large organization and her copywriting business, but I'm even more in awe of how she views the two and how they work together and, um, and how she's really made it work for her even though it can be overwhelming. And she wasn't shy about the fact that figuring it out initially was not easy. Um, and I think this is a really great example of us as copywriters feeling empowered to build businesses that work for us, that aren't necessarily traditional, um, that may not fit the typical business owner mold. And what I like the most and the advice I took away from Tori was how she figures out what works this week. And she doesn't necessarily get like as stressed out and overwhelmed thinking about, well, how am I going to juggle the business and my full-time job for the next five years? I'm sure that thought crosses her mind, but it isn't what stresses her out on a regular basis. It's more like, hey, what do I need to do to accomplish everything I need to accomplish this week? And that really helps me because I often get overwhelmed thinking about how is this all going to fit together? How is this going to fit over the next five years, over the next year? But if I just think about what's right in front of me, what's happening this week, it's so much easier to get through the day to day. Also, 
we talked a lot about achieving big goals and about Tori's reason for jumping into the think tank even during a month where she was struggling. It might have felt like it wasn't the right time to jump in and make such a big commitment and lean in to achieving really big goals, especially when she was feeling a financial strain. And I love this idea and what she said about there's never a right time to achieve these goals. There's never going to be a perfect time to join the think tank or to do whatever it is you need to do to jump in fully. Maybe it's to jump fully into your copywriting business. Maybe it's to find the next copywriting job, whatever that is for you. Um, this relates to me right now because I'm thinking about, you know, the next big thing for me. And I really, I've shared this recently with a bunch of copywriters, but I really want to compete in my first Ironman competition. And if you follow the Ironman, it's like a crazy endurance event. Um, it's insane. I think people who do it are insane. But of course, I naturally want to be one of those people. And so um, I'm saying it here and sharing that big, crazy, hairy goal for ultimate accountability, because now that I shared it on the podcast, I have to do it. But, you know, I really related to what Tori was saying about there never being a right time to achieve these big, scary goals, because even right now as I'm like, oh, yeah, I definitely want to do an Ironman in the next 18 months or less. There's never going to be a better time to do it. And that's why I'm saying yes to it now. And even now, it feels like it's the worst time to do it with young kids, with like no time, extra time in my schedule, with a husband who travels frequently. I mean, there's so many reasons not to do the thing I want to do. But like Tori said, if I know there's never going to be a better time or a more perfect time, then now is probably the best time. So definitely feel inspired whenever I talk to Tori about her whole approach and the way she's just kind of leaning into her faith that she can accomplish big things. And, and she has. She has over the last year. We also leaned really hard into, you know, the idea of letting go of toxic clients. Um, this is something that Tori and I have talked a lot about. So, you know, I've... I know she mentioned she's she's let go of at least three toxic clients over the last year, and that's that's a big deal. I also appreciate that she mentioned it allowed her to create space for better clients, and I think this is something that we need to talk about more as copywriters because we have all dealt with these toxic clients. Sometimes they're verbally abusive. Sometimes they don't pay on time, or maybe they just don't pay at all. Sometimes they just don't believe in boundaries and they make crazy demands of your time. Sometimes they just really are not stable people. I mean, there are, we know there are a lot of unstable people out there. Um, there's a mental health crisis. We all can feel it. Well, some of these people are running businesses and you don't have to work with them. And so this is something that if you are working with a toxic client, you know, maybe you can reach out to Tori and get some support from her and even some next steps so that you can create space in your business for more of the right clients. And when we're talking about toxic clients, it's we're not talking about like the client that just doesn't really excite you or like 
can't pay a really high amount, but like they're paying, they're paying the bills, but they can't afford high ticket prices or like they're just not your favorite. We're talking about really toxic, abusive clients here. All right. So reach out to Tori if you need support, additional support there. And then finally, we talked about how to be a strategist and not just a copywriter. And there's nothing wrong with just being a copywriter. That's how most of us start out. And if you're in the stage where you're like, I'm good with that, that's actually a stretch for me. I just want to figure out this copywriting thing. That's great. That's where I started too. But if you're kind of hitting the point where you're like, I'm ready to do more, I really want to lean into to strategy. Um, I think Tori provided a lot of great examples of what you can do. And you're probably already doing a lot of this anyway. But what you can maybe talk about more if you're already doing it so that you're showing up on sales calls and in your own marketing um, as a strategist and really owning that part of what you do. And so Tori gave some great examples of what she's done to help her clients with strategy. Um, part of it is building out a promo calendar for them, creating, helping them create bonuses for their launch. I mean, creating bonuses is not easy. It's a struggle for a lot of business owners, mostly because we're just too close to the offer. And so if you can help your client think of and find the bonuses that will connect with their audience based on the research, that is so valuable. Uh, Tori also mentioned um, helping create content for Black Friday, thinking through new strategies to increase open rates, thinking long-term about her clients' businesses. I mean, really a lot of this is just asking questions and then getting, you know, kind of getting in there, getting dirty, um, trying to answer those questions. And a lot of what she's doing is, like she said, studying how her client's audiences, her client's audience responds to them. And I love that she does that through social media caption writing because you know quickly if it's a message is working and resonating or if it is not through social media because the algorithms will tell you very quickly if it resonates. And I know there are a lot of copywriters who um, don't necessarily want to do social media content, but maybe, I don't know, I'm thinking maybe it makes sense to add that to some of your packages because then you can get that the data that you need to write stronger messages in your emails and on your landing pages because you've tested it quickly on social media, um, in the social media content during pre-launch. So I know it's not something that a lot of us want to kind of lean into. And then there are other copywriters who do want to own social media and they're fully owning it. But I think there's some shade of gray where you could just use it as a tool like Tori does, um, to pull in the right data and strengthen the copy. And so I think that's really cool that she's already doing that. And then the last detail she added um, that, again, really stood out to me, and I've, I've worked on plenty of launches, but um, I haven't done this. Tori mentioned that she always clears time in her schedule during the launch for a client to potentially add another email into the sequence last minute or to support the client during the cart open stage. And she has that flexibility built into her services so that she can, you know, help the launch be even more successful, but also just show up fully for the client, 
and really get in there with the client during a launch, which can be very stressful. And so I know when I was working on launches, I often just like sent the copy ahead of time and wished them luck. And then I kind of checked out and would, would maybe check in a little bit later. But I think now if you're in the launch space, you really need to, um, you can stand out and your client will benefit from you being more available while they're in cart open and being more strategic while you're in cart open period and you can um, adjust messages as needed, adjust bonuses as needed. And so there's definitely a premium to that type of service and it might be worth considering if you're not doing that and you work in the launch space. All right, so let's get back into the interview with Tori to hear how she built her network and how it's helped her grow her business. So let's talk a little bit about that confidence. Uh, you know, you, you said you have confidence that the, another client is going to you know come along, but I, I'm assuming they don't just drop in your lap. Maybe they do. How do you find that next client when you've let somebody go? What are you doing to make sure that you're filling that hole? So, okay, I know that I mentioned I'd done so many connection calls that I wasn't making money because that was like my full-time job of just doing connection calls. But those connection calls actually started paying off. So now the way I view them is that I have a season of doing them and that might be, you know, March to May or whatever. I don't I don't know the exact season, but I could just, you know, probably feel into that. But I had spent all spring and half of the summer meeting new people. So this would be new memberships or new groups that I joined. And I just want to learn about people's business. I didn't I didn't really have any motive to send them a follow-up link like if you want to learn about copy, <laughs> here you go. I just I, I just wanted to learn about people. And so from there I also started looking at like when I would talk to these people, I made myself a, a resource, even if I didn't have um other people to connect them to or other things that specifically connect to their business, if they wanted to know about different marketing stuff outside of the things I talked to them about, I would share the Copywriter Club podcast. I would share something I read in Forbes magazine. It made me feel wealthy to do that. It made me feel like, okay, if I don't have other things to to give or even ask them to be a client right now, the best thing I can do is share a resource and help them. So from there, I still had um, those connections, like we would, I would send them a DM on Instagram. I would engage with their content. And most importantly, I would show up to where they are. I think most of the relationships I have today that have helped me with creating a strong referral system is that I just try to, I try to show up. If I, if I may be off camera because I'm trying to take this dog up the steps because she can't see, I can't, I may be doing so many other things, but I try to show up and, and generally be there for people. It's just something that has worked well for me. And for people who can't necessarily show up to a lot of places where the ideal clients are, um, there are so many other different ways that you can support people. It can be offering a thought on their recent Instagram post. It can be sharing another resource. It can be if they have an upcoming event coming up and you can't attend it, you can reshare it. Those things really mean a lot to people, especially when they are putting out new products and services and they have those those feelings of, oh, no one's going to show up. 
just by you actually showing love without anything in return, people remember that when people are having conversations about, I'm looking for a copywriter. I know someone. And then from there, I started creating my own referral system where I work. If, if any clients that I currently work with or previously worked with refer me to someone else, they get 10% off the next project with that person. So if I gain a new client and they heard from me, they heard about me from a client I work with and our project is 5,000, that previous client will get $500. Yeah, I think your referral system is brilliant. How have, what's the impact of that been? Can you kind of attach it to any metrics in your business since you launched it? Yeah, I've, I've worked with, I've had about six or I think it's seven clients this year that were based from referrals. So that I tracked. Another thing that I, that was so like, duh, why didn't I do that? But one thing that I started doing on my discovery call intake forms is just asking people, how did they hear about me? Um, and I listed different places. And if they have a, a another person, I would ask them to put their name there. Um, that that one little tweak actually helped a lot because some people forget that they refer me to someone. And I'm like, oh, I want to reward you. I want to I want to say thank you in some type of way. Um, so. That was really helpful. Another thing with referrals is I looked at other other clients that weren't just um, solo entrepreneurs, which I really do enjoy working with with solo business owners. But I looked at people who had a team because if I'm work if I'm doing great work with an agency of four or five people, that's potentially four or five people who can refer me to other other people. So I started meeting with them and also finding ways where we can help the agency grow businesses. So I work with um, two of my clients have agencies. And so, yeah, that that has helped a lot. Um, and another thing is also finding ways to bring that strategy piece. Right. So that that part of if someone didn't want copy, but they just wanted someone to talk to about their next launch, their next. Their, their new website that they have in addition to their website that they have and how can they make the two fit cohesively together into their brand. Just having someone to talk to about those things, I, I started making myself more available for that. And I do that in a way where I have a season of me just doing a lot of more strategy calls so that I can then return back to connection calls. Um, I don't know the, the right time frame yet for that. I'm still experimenting with that. But at least I'm giving myself grace to just um, rest from meeting new people, which I do love meeting them. But I, I know that um, with meetings and things, it, sometimes I'm not showing up as my best self. So it does feel good to take a break and I can actually look forward to those things. And also with strategy. I love I love giving strategy, but I like having breaks from that as well. Sorry, I'd love to ask you about other parts of your business. So as you've grown, you've tried to diversify your income just a little bit, and you've added some products, not just services to your business. Talk about what you've been doing to build those and what they are, some of the things that you're putting together there. Yes. So I am currently, um, I currently have a template library that's launching. And so in it, I have 
nurture email templates, promo, website, social media caption, professional bio makeover, um, press release template. I feel like I'm missing something. Um, oh, different different standards for, uh, I'm sorry, different uh, podcast outreach templates, co-outreach templates, and I think that's all of them. And so um, I'm calling this full library, the template ship. And um, what I'm really excited about is that each of them have video training with them. And anyone who purchases a template or the bundle of the entire template ship library gets to get on a an hour long co-working call with me monthly and everyone else on the call gets to be there. It's called writing vibe. So we write and we talk and we network which is something that served me as a self-love coach because I had run um, self-love events in DC live in person prior to the pandemic. And even though they had nothing to do with entrepreneurship, we've always had people, I noticed that people who were interested in being on their own self-care or self-love journey also had hobbies and interests and they could have possibly been business owners too. So at the end of each event that I had, I would give people the opportunity to talk about their hobby or their cool thing they want to get into or their business. So this kind of feels like, even though I'm not doing a self-love thing anymore, this reminds me of how people can bring together their passion for what they're doing, but also meet new people and potentially have new clients or just new business um, colleagues. Yeah. And what I love about your templates is um, not only that you have so many different ones that we can use in different parts of our marketing and, and business, but also that you're focused on inclusive language in your marketing messages. So can you just share maybe um, a couple? I mean, there's probably a lot in there, a lot of lessons learned in those templates and that training, but can you just share one or two mistakes that many marketers make today? Yeah. Yes. Um, oh, I don't know if I also mentioned website and promo um, three day and five day challenge emails, but those are also in there. And some of the mistakes that I see have to do with um, people assuming that someone knows something and that that can. Um, one of the ways that I approach that is is that just changing up the language a little bit. Um, you may or may not know this, but instead of saying everyone knows this, um, another thing that also helps with inclusivity, I have um, different, you know, different ways you can use pro pronouns, different ways you can talk about race, different ways you can talk about people with um, IDD, because sometimes when people come across someone who does have it, they may not show any signs, they may be you know, high functioning or things like that. Um, another thing is also talking about when it's appropriate to have, um, to specifically have things that are diversity, diversity driven versus not. So to break that down, what I mean by that is since 2020, since the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, George Floyd and everything that happened, there has been a big shift that we all see in marketing where there are more people of different sizes and different ethnicities that are on sales pages. 
and there are some companies that still that still just um, have predominantly white clients or all white clients, um, and they want to be more um, approachable and accessible to people of color, but they haven't yet done done that work. And I talk about ways that you can do that before putting out false advertisement that you you currently work with those type of people. Um, and the reason why that is important is because some people purchase a program and purchase something uh, and they are a person of color and they don't have anyone to really connect with. And so they just kind of give up on those courses and programs. And these are conversations that I've heard time and time again. And it it has left me as a marketer who has worked with Black people and white people in other different ethnicities. Sometimes I have to call out like, well, if you don't have any people of color, I wouldn't get just keep putting a whole bunch of Black people on sales pages. I wouldn't just, I have to sometimes specifically say that, not necessarily as I'm trying to stand up for myself, but it. I hear the actual other side of that, that people buy stuff and they're like, I don't even know what to, what to do, how to relate to it. Um, and also another thing I talk about with the inclusive trainings that comes with the templates is, also, is how to um, talk about difficult conversations and the main thing is really if if you want to have a difficult conversation with someone who has a completely different background from you religion like whatever um you you don't I don't think that we have to overthink it I don't think we have to think for them I think we should open up spaces for them to ask questions more a lot of times with the when it comes to inclusivity, I think the piece that is missing is that people don't ask enough questions to people they they want to learn more from. So like, for example, I've had a client that wanted to address, she felt like her program was um, lacking diversity and she wanted to figure out a way to uh, be more approachable and also not um, turn off her clients that are you know, not really thinking about the diversity thing. And so, but she came up with a lot of ways that didn't really include diversity and, or it didn't really include people of diverse backgrounds. And I said, maybe you should have, you should just have an event where you just ask questions and you listen instead of feel like you have to be the person that thinks everything through. So a lot of my inclusivity, inclusivity trainings is coming from that background of, actually letting people have the mic instead of taking the mic and speaking for them. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to ask a follow-up question about that uh, because you mentioned, you know, people putting uh, people of color on, you know, a page or whatever to try to market, but maybe the programs, you know, are, are sort of devoid of that. But what about somebody who is trying to, you know, make those opportunities available What's the appropriate way to do that in in your opinion? Um, you know, obviously you wouldn't necessarily want to put all white people, uh, you know, or, or like um, represent that the program is not for, you know, a diverse audience, but at the same time, you don't want to do it falsely. So how do you start to bridge that gap as, you know, people try to make their programs a little bit more diverse? I think one way that people can do that is if they have any type of launch where, they have um, like a beta run of it and they and they specifically say they, you know, 
are interested in getting results for people who they have not yet worked with. Um, and they specifically include those type of different sections of um, nationalities or any of those things. I think that that's a great idea to get people involved in it. Um, another thing is if if someone, I think it also depends on the type of service that you are providing. Like if it's, like if we're talking about Maybe a community know. or something like that. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And then also, if if for some reason you try beta run, there still aren't people of color um, that that have seen your senior service. Another thing that you can do is um, create like after you create the sales page and, and do live calls. You can also, I think that it helps to tell people about your vision. I think that if you lead with, you know, having a diverse sales page and actually calling it out yet, that we want to welcome people. We have not yet had it and we want to welcome people. I think people, if if anything that has come from the, the last couple of years of business is that people really value people who are imperfect, can be transparent, can, and also, it feels like somebody's a part of a movement when you share a goal or share a vi- vision with them. It, it makes them feel like if they, if you have a new logo or a title for your new program or an existing program, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? And asking different people of that. Um, and I also think it, ha- it, it helps to, in between launches, have some type of like free event or a small paid offer event where you are specifically having something that has to do with diversity. So that it just doesn't come out of nowhere. And people are kind of like, whoa, she was, she never talking about that. Like, why is she talking about this stuff now? I think like letting people know what you're trying to do will help um, any type of tension or confusion. Okay. So Tori, our time is wrapping up together. I want to know what you are most excited about what's coming up next for you that you want to share that you're so excited about. Yeah, I am excited about the template launch. And also I'm excited about um, being being more visible and talking about visibility and in- inclusion and also sleep, <laughs> a lot more sleep. <laughs> and specifically with the templates coming up, you are doing a workshop or sorry, a, a challenge and I know you've got a Black Friday offer that's coming up with your templates. Uh, just talk a little bit about what you're going to be doing for those things. Yes, yeah, so I'll run a three-day challenge. And so the challenge will be around reaching out to potential clients and also making more sales in your business, in which I'll provide a template with that at the end. And also I have a Black Friday sale for the template bundles, so the actual 10 templates that I have along with the trainings and the monthly calls where if someone buys the template bundle, they will also um, have me, I'll personally critique the temp, one of their templates for them. Well, thank you, Tori, so much for um, being with us here today and sharing more about what you're doing in your business and everything that, I mean, everything you've done in such a short period of time, it's quite amazing and how you've built a business that really works for you and isn't a cookie cutter business and is giving back to you. Um, So thank you for being here and sharing with us. We appreciate it. 
That's the end of our interview with Tori Autumn. But before I wrap, I just want to highlight a few more ideas that stood out to me, because why not? So we talked a lot about Tori spending time on connection calls, right? You know, I call them meet and greet calls. That's how, you know, Rob and I have talked about how we met on a meet and greet call. Um, This is a great way to build community. This is something that we, I mean, we don't force people to do this in our communities, but we do encourage them to jump on as many connection calls as possible with their fellow members in any program, like the Accelerator or a Think Tank Mastermind, because it pays off. Just 10 minutes with someone can really um, help you feel a strong connection to them. So anyway, I love that this has helped Tori um, build her business. And the interesting thing about it is that it could be something you do on a seasonal basis, because Tori also mentioned that she sometimes she's spent too much time on connection calls and her business actually suffered because she was on too many calls with colleagues or potential prospects, but um, it actually was a distraction from the business and um, she needed to free up that time during that season to do other things in her business. So I think maybe it's something that we can think about seasonally. I mean, there are times of the year we know business is slower. We are Clients in our space or in our industry just slow down depending on what industry you're in. So maybe that is the best time when you know there's not going to be as much work because your the vertical you're focused on um, isn't quite ready to ask for um, more projects. They don't the need is not there. During that time, maybe you could focus on connection calls to build your network. And then there are other times of the year where your industry that you're focused on could be much busier and you don't book connection calls. So I think it's something that you could think of um, how Tori has and just leaning into it when you can, but not necessarily all the time because it can give back to you. It can help you land projects, but it can also um, deplete your time. And sometimes it's not worth leaning into. So I think that's just something that um, I've never thought about it as a seasonal activity, and I'm going to think about it that way moving forward. Uh, one thing, you know, Tori talked about, I'm so glad she did because it's just something that I didn't do. I don't do it today. I'm going to start doing it is um, building out a referral system. And, you know, she rewards her clients and past clients with 10% of the project that they refer to Tori. And I think it's such a great way to just build a really strong referral system, even though, you know, referrals happen organically for most of us, like this is a way for you to design a system that you can rely on more consistently. And I think it's brilliant. We can all do it. Um, I'm going to start doing it. We're going to start doing it in the copywriter club too. Um, But just making it really easy for people to share who referred them and also to make it really easy for clients who love you to, um, you know, get a reward for passing on your name to other people. So something that we can easily do. It's not a hard adjustment to make in our businesses. And we talked about templates. Um, Tori mentioned she's launching her template ship um, and her templates. She's put a lot of time into and she's already sold a bunch of them and um, has licensed them to different organizations. She's already making money off of her templates. And I think it's 
great that we talked about it because I know a lot of copywriters who are trying to sell their templates or they are successfully selling their templates. And so even the template product space is, I wouldn't say it's saturated because it depends on the niche that you're focused on. But I do think that it helps if you are niched down with your templates. And as it does get more and more saturated, as more and more copywriters are selling their templates, it will help to um, position your templates so that they stand out from all the other templates out there. You know, how are your templates different? How are they better? Um, And Tori has done a great job of leaning into how hers are different, especially because the messaging and the copy in her templates focuses on diversity and inclusivity. And so that is something that will allow her templates to stand out from all the other templates out there. And so that's not to say that your templates, if you're interested in creating that product, have to also focus on diversity and inclusivity. But it's worth thinking about if you want to launch templates or if you already have launched templates, but you're not quite happy with how they're selling, maybe you can figure out you know, your X factor for your templates. What is going to make them relevant, better um, for the audience you're focused on and making sure that you've niched down enough so um, your templates are designed specifically for your unique audience and not just for the general business owner audience. Finally, as we wrapped up the conversation and we talked about what Tori is most excited about, she said she's excited about more sleep. And I am with her. I am ready to hibernate this winter. I don't know if it's the move to Maine um, or (laughs) the cold or what it is, but I have been needing at least nine hours of sleep every night. Um, So I am with Tori. We all need more sleep. I am ready for it this winter. All right. So we do want to thank Tori Autumn for joining us on the podcast today. If you want to connect with her or grab her templates, head to heytoriautumn.com and we'll link to that in our show notes. If you want to listen to more conversations like this one today, check out episode 184 with Rachel Griman about creating additional streams of income. Or you could listen to, and or, episode 261 with Annabelle Landaverde about being a multi-passionate entrepreneur. Both episodes are excellent, so check out both of them. And if you are interested in joining our Think Tank Mastermind and potentially joining us at our in-person retreat in New Orleans this January, you can find out the details in our show notes. And that's the end of this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. The intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice. The outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Muttner. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, and I hope that you enjoyed it, please visit Apple Podcasts and leave your review of the show. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Copywriters coming together to help the world write better. Copy and make more money. Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club can make you lots of money. Listen to the Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club can make you lots of money.
As long as you listen through the whole damn episode